London, New York, Barcelona. Today from Ireland, you can fly to almost any place. But what if you could fly to any time? If you could experience events that change the world, if you could meet the people who lived through history, would you do it? Welcome to a new series of Time Travels, the programme where we explore the past. Are you ready? Fasten your seatbelts. It could be a bumpy journey. OK, we've landed in England in 1911, during the heroic age of Antarctic exploration. I knew it. I just knew he'd make it. Oh, hello. Will you have a drink? No? All right. Just a pint of ale for me, then. I'm doing a little bit of celebrating here because I'm pretty sure that I'm about to win a bet with my friend Charlie. We've been following the news, you see, about the Antarctic. Have you heard? Captain Roald Amundsen, he's a Norwegian fella, and Captain Robert Scott, English, have gone head to head in a race to reach the South Pole. Roald Amundsen is leading one expedition group, and Scott has his own. And me and my friend Charlie, well, we've always liked a good wager. And I just had a feeling that Amundsen would have the edge. I figured he's from Norway, used to the cold, bit of snow, you know what I mean? But Charlie was absolutely sure that Scott was the man for the job. But looky here, I've just read in the newspaper. That Norwegian fella, Roald Amundsen, has made it to the South Pole. Listen to this. Captain Amundsen announces that he reached the South Pole 14th to 17th December, by which we suppose he means that he was for that time at the Pole. It is a great exploit and Englishmen who have had so great a share in the exploration of the South Polar regions will heartily congratulate him and his countrymen on the distinction they have gained. The thing about Amundsen is he's a clever sort of bloke. He didn't even say he was heading to the South Pole until the very last minute. He was actually planning to go to the North Pole, but then he heard that another fella had gotten there before him. So he changed his plans, secretly. Charlie said it was a bit sneaky, but I think it shows brains, and that's exactly what you need for this kind of adventure. And I said to Charlie, if it wasn't for my dodgy leg, I'd be signing up to join Amazon's team, and not Scott's, because I think he's the one to get you there and back. Between you and me, I don't know if Scott's expedition team are doing too well, actually. Listen to this. Whether Amundsen was the first to reach the South Pole remains, of course, to be seen. No word has yet come of Captain Scott. And until we know whether he reached the Pole, and if so, when, the question who is the victor in the race remains uncertain. I hope they all come back safe, but we'll see what happens. Either way, I can't wait to read all about it from Roald Amundsen. He's the man, as far as I'm concerned.
I think we should find out a bit more about Antarctic exploration and one important Irish explorer called Tom Crean. Ask an expert. I'm Helen O'Carroll, curator of Kerry County Museum. Who was Tom Crean? Well, Tom Crean was a man from Annascall. He was born in the late 19th century. Um, and he went off to Antarctica as an explorer. And that's the short, condensed version of who Tom Crean was. What was life like for Antarctic explorers? Well, when Tom Crean went to Antarctica, people knew very little about it. Um, it, it, it was the last unexplored continent um, in the world. And, uh, and they were going down there in the early 1900s. So they had nothing like the kind of cold weather gear that we have now. So um, a lot of the stuff they were wearing were like wool or um, this kind of gabardine fabric called Burberry, which would keep the wind out and stuff like that. So it was tough. It was very, very tough. They, they didn't have any of the modern communications that we'd have now, no satellite phones. If they got into trouble down there, they were in trouble. That was it. Um, and that's what happened because, you know, some of his comrades died on, on the way back from the pole. Nobody could come and rescue them. Um, so it, it was tough. It, I mean, Antarctica, even to the, you know, even now, it still is, is, is the coldest, windiest place on Earth. Um, and it's also very high as well. People don't realise that the Antarctic continent is about 10,000 feet above sea level. So, you know, you're, you're coping with oxygen deprivation and stuff like that as well. So it would have been very, very tough. How did Tom Crean become an Antarctic explorer? Well, Tom left on a skull as a young man, as a teenager. Um, he joined the Navy, the, the, Royal, the British Royal Navy. Um, and a lot of people from, well, from all parts of Ireland at the time, this was a way of earning a living. Because he came from a, he was, you know, one of the younger members of a large family on a small farm in West Kerry. So opportunities weren't great. And the Navy, the Army, the police, all were good ways of earning a living. And so, and given that he lived relatively near the, the coast, then the Navy was a, a good choice. And uh, so he went off, joined the Navy, and he was serving in the Navy in 1901 when uh, the Discovery ship, um, captained by Robert Falcon Scott, called in um, on their way to Antarctica. And they were looking for, they, two or three people had dropped out of the expedition at that stage. They were looking for volunteers and Tom put his hand up and said, yeah, I'll go. And that's literally how he got into it. He was with the Discovery exp expedition for um, about three years came back from that, went back into the Navy again and then when Scott was going the second time on the Terra Nova, he went with him down, down to Antarctica again and then came back, did his regular Navy stuff and then when Ernest Shackleton was going in 1914, he specifically asked for Tom Crean because he had known him from the Discovery Expedition. So they went off together for a third time. Who was Ernest Shackleton? Well, Ernest Shackleton uh, was actually born in Ireland. Um, he came from a, a, a Quaker family up in County Kildare, and there's still Shackleton's in, in Ireland today. But yeah, he left as a as a young man, and uh, he joined the Merchant Navy as opposed to the the Royal Navy, and um, so he became a sailor basically. And uh, so he, when the Discovery ex 
expedition was being put together by Robert Falcon Scott, there was a mixture of the, let's say, the, the sailors from the Royal Navy um, and the Merchant Navy together on that. And Shackleton um, wanted to go on that because he adventure was his thing. He he just he was big into, you know, finding other places in the world to go to and all that sort of stuff. And I think a lot of them, when they went off on the Discovery expedition, they got the bug for you know, for going to Antarctica. And it was someplace that Shackleton was drawn to all his life. And in fact, he died on in an attempt to return there um, in 19... I think it was 1922, I think, that he died. Um, his last expedition was called The Quest. And uh, he wanted to go back and see the places they had they had been before. And he got a heart attack and died on, and is buried down in South Georgia. What happened on Ernest Shackleton's expedition? Well, lots of things. <laughs> the ship, uh, what they were planning to do was cross the Antarctic continent from one side to the other. And so their ship, which was called the Endurance, got stuck in the ice. And uh, so they thought the ice might break up but it didn't and slowly but surely the ice was going to crush the ship so they had to abandon the ship live in an ice floe um, and then the ice floe started breaking up and they, they had to get to somewhere safer so they took to sea in three quite small lifeboats um, they found an island called Elephant Island um, and just regrouped there for a few days and then they realised this island was so remote there was never going to be a passing ship, so they were going to have to go and get help. So six of them took off <clears throat> on a very tiny boat across the roughest ocean in the world, the Southern Ocean. Absolutely, you know, it's really, really rough. And uh, and this is a tiny boat. <clears throat> They've, they have very little navigational equipment with them. Um, and they managed to finally get to South Georgia, which was a larger island, where, which was inhabited. Um, except they landed on the wrong side of South Georgia, which was the uninhabited side, and they had to cross South Georgia, which had never been crossed before. There were no maps. There was no way to guide them. They had to find their own way. It was this mad harem scarum journey to get to the inhabited side of South Georgia and to come in the door. They had stopped there on their way down to Antarctica, day, you know, on the, first, on the way out, um, two years previously and the men who had met them then did not recognise them because they were so physically changed by what they had gone through. My name is Enda O'Brien. I'm uh, one of Tom Crean's grandsons. And my mother would have been Eileen, one of his daughters. What was the bravest thing that Tom Crean did? There are so many and the man should never have been a alive, at least or survived them, but um, I think the single one must have been his own 35-mile uh, trek to save the lives of uh, Lashley and Evans. I suppose what people don't realise, it was the last uh, 35 miles or 1,500 miles, uh, so they were part of the party that were turned back 150 miles from the, from the pole, where Scott and his party went on and perished on the way back. Uh, but Tom Crean and uh, Lashley and Evans, who was the officer and the navigator, they headed back to to base right there. But Evans got a, a scurvy along the way and eventually had to be put on the sleigh and dragged by his two companions 
and eventually they got to a point about 35 miles from, from base camp. The snow was too deep, they couldn't pull them any, any further. And they'd been months out on the ice now, so they were half-starved. Um, and uh, the only option was that uh, one of them had to go to base camp to see if they could rescue somebody, right? At least get, get help from, from, from the base camp, right? But I mean, like, if you here we are in Tralee today. If you said, if any of us wanted to walk from here to probably Ventry, which is probably uh, approximately 35 miles, I know I couldn't make it, right? You know, and I, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm super fit or anything like that, but but then to to put it into context, then of the 35 miles being the last 35 miles of 1500 miles, uh, it is superhuman. That's you know, I don't think it's ever been equaled. Why did Tom Crean give up exploring? I think um, he had achieved uh, as much as he wanted to achieve, apart from getting to the South Pole, which at that time, anyway, he was about, I think, 42 years of age when, when he got married, right? And he had young young children as well, and um, I think that was that was the reason, really. But my grandmother, I'd say, was the, the main one. Did you know that Antarctica is the driest continent? It is almost entirely desert. Very little snow or rain falls there. Weird, but true. Here in the Kerry Museum, Claudia Kohler is doing a history workshop for children. So basically the museum has a big box and uh, it has lots of things in it to do with Tom Crean and then schools can rent that box from us and uh, they can have a look at all the things and they can also, which is a highlight, dress up like Tom Crean to look like him. Yeah, basically um, to dress for the cold they had to dress up in many different layers um, of clothing and uh, then the air circulation would, would help of keeping warm um, so after kind of dressing up in many different layers that was part of the outermost coat. And uh, we have uh, one of them here, not Tom Crean's, but we do have uh, a very similar one here. And we got a local um, seamstress to take an exact copy and then to make two versions, an adult-sized one and a child-sized one. And that's uh, a big hit with all the children. And we also have it as part of our Tom Crean exhibition in the museum. You can dress up as Tom Crean. And we have lots and lots of fun pictures on our Facebook page to proof that it is an all-time family favorite and then some other things we have in here there's um, a stone um, from Mount Crean in Antarctica because there is actually a mountain in Antarctica named after him wouldn't that be cool if there was a mountain named after you would you like that yeah (laughs) and then it's on all the maps forever and ever I think that's pretty cool we have a little box here. So when Tom Crean went on his expeditions, they were all allowed to take a small little box with personal belongings. And guess how long he would have been gone on any of the expeditions? He was gone 10 years altogether. And each expedition from leaving to coming back would maybe take, what, two to three years thereabout? Yeah, yeah. So if you would leave home today on a big expedition and you know you're not going to be back for three to four years and you could only take a little box like this with you 
What would you put in that? There was probably a picture of his family in there, but his pipe, very good, because I took that out of the box earlier. And then shoe polish, because uh, even if you were in Antarctica in the middle of nowhere, it was really important to keep up appearances so that you looked well-dressed and that you kept polishing your shoes and all that. We also included a little pocket watch. Very good, isn't it? Because how would you know what time it is, especially if the nights are really long and the days are very short. And you don't need batteries with this one. Very important because there wouldn't be a shop anywhere to buy any new batteries for it. Um, and probably things just to um, repair his uniform if there was a tear in it so that he would look good at all times. Yeah. Helen, can you tell us what's in pemmican? Well, the pemmican was the food that they, it was a, a tinned thing that they used to eat, and it was uh, a lovely mixture of dried meat, about, uh, about 35% dried meat, about maybe 40 or 50% fat. Yeah. And it was mixed together and in the tin, and then what they would do when they got to their when they'd stop for the evening, they'd take it out of the tin and put it into hot water and boil it up and they'd have this lovely meal called hoosh. It sounds revolting. Absolutely. They, they brought this special, um, it's called a Nansen cooker after a um, very famous Norwegian explorer, Fridjof Nansen, and he developed it. Big round pot and there's like an inner pot inside in it so you'd put your hoosh in the inner one and then around the side you'd have your you'd have more hot water that you could use to make your cocoa with afterwards but there was a lid on it as well yeah they still people going camping now in the wild they still use a little primus stove and that would heat up the the nansen cooker and that that's how they used to um that's how they used to that's what they used to eat in the evenings and uh, and then they had no problem getting water because there was so much ice they could just scoop up the ice and and uh, and uh, put it in the hot water and it would melt And this sword was given to him by his comrades, his chief petty officer comrades, after he made the leap from being a chief petty officer to uh, a full-blown officer. So when Tom left the Navy, he left as, as an officer, having, having managed to, to come all the way up from being a boy in the Navy to, to being an officer. And this is a ceremonial sword. You know, they'd have like a dress uniform, and this is what you wore then with your dress uniform. So Tom was given, um, he was given uh, two very special medals, the Polar Medal for being involved in all these explorations, but a very special medal called the Albert Medal for courage for saving the life of Teddy Evans and, and his friend Lashley. And so when he went to Buckingham Palace to, the, to, to get his medal from the king, he'd have worn this sword on his, as part of his uniform. Well, the sword is here with its hilt, and it's got um, a very quite elaborate um, guard on, on the front here, and it is decorated here, and it's got a bit of an engraving on the front. Very few people get an Albert Medal. Um, they're very um, they're they're specifically for for courage and for saving people's lives. So there's not there's not very many people who have them. <laughs> of the 19th century, many people became interested in the exploration of the Antarctic. One of the most famous explorers from this era was born in Ireland. 
This is the story of Ernest Shackleton. Ernest Shackleton was born near Athy in County Kildare in 1874 to Irish and Anglo-Irish parents. Ernest's father became a doctor when Ernest was a child and he moved the family to London. Ernest wasn't very interested in school and he was looking for adventure. When he was 16 he left school to go to sea and he enjoyed travelling all over the world and meeting new people with very different backgrounds to his own. Ernest Shackleton loved being at sea, but soon he was looking for a new challenge. The Royal Geographical Society had a huge project underway to discover more about the Antarctic, and Ernest was keen to be involved. His first trip to the Antarctic was on the ship Discovery, alongside the English Royal Navy officer Robert Falcon Scott in 1901. They managed to get closer to the South Pole than anyone had ever done before. Unfortunately, Ernest Shackleton became ill and had to be sent home, but he was determined to return. In 1908, he did just that on the ship Nimrod. The team climbed Mount Erebus, the second highest volcano in Antarctica, and made some very important discoveries. In 1911, Norwegian explorer Roald Amundsen became the first person to reach the South Pole, followed by Scott. But Shackleton wasn't finished yet. In 1914, he decided to return again and to cross the whole Antarctic via the South Pole, something that had never been achieved before. Ernest Shackleton's plan would have huge consequences. As his ship, named the Endurance, headed southward, she soon became stuck frozen in ice. Shackleton hoped that they would become unstuck and that the Endurance could move on to its destination, Vassal Bay. But after some months when the ice began to break up, the ship itself also started to break up. On the 24th of October 1914, as water began to pour into the Endurance, Ernest Shackleton had no choice but to give the order to abandon ship. For almost two months, the crew camped on an ice floe until Shackleton decided that it was time to go for help. In a small open boat, Shackleton and five crew members, including Irish explorer Tom Crean, set off for a South Georgia whaling station, which was 1,300 kilometres away. After 16 treacherous days at sea, surviving hurricane winds, freezing conditions and 50-foot waves, Shackleton and his men managed to land on the southern shore of the island and Shackleton decided that they must make the final part of the journey by foot across mountainous terrain. It was an extremely dangerous journey. Thankfully, Ernest Shackleton's mission to get help was successful. The remaining crew members that had been left behind were rescued and not one person died. The story of the Endurance is remembered today as one of the most heroic and remarkable tales of survival in history.
home sweet home, and the airport is just as busy as ever. And like I said, you can fly to almost anywhere or any time. So, where do you want to go next? This programme was funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee.